0: Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I was joined by Bobby from SecureSpace. SecureSpace is an online marketplace that connects companies looking for parking and storage options to those with dedicated or excess capacity. The lack of adequate space in cities and near major highways and interstates has a huge impact on supply chain and driver safety. So it was really nice to dive into the topic and talk more about flexibility, cost and efficiency across the industry. SecureSpace has a growing national network. So if you're a logistics firm, you're likely to benefit from what they're doing. If you missed the episode, go and check it out over on letstalksupplychain.com, on our YouTube channel, or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. It was episode 363. Ready to empower the people and improve the processes that grow your business? Esker's AI-driven solutions make it easy by delivering greater speed, strategy, and security across your entire enterprise. Visit esker.com today and learn why Esker is used by finance, procurement, and customer service leaders around the world as their trusted global cloud platform, Esker. Transform the way you work. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Before we dive in, I have a question for you. According to the National Centers for Environmental Information, there have been 15 confirmed billion-dollar weather and climate disaster events in the this year in the US. But what is the cost of those devastating events? Let us know your guesses over on social and keep listening because all will be revealed at the end of the show. So today I'm excited to welcome an award-winning VC, entrepreneur, product strategist and community builder back to the show. I interviewed her in September 2021 and she is back to tell us all about what she's been up to since then. But can you guess who it is? Well, I'll let you know after the question of the week. So the question that we asked you and we had... 520 votes has remote work become a permanent part of your supply chain operations post pandemic 52% of you said yes partially remote and then we had a tie at 24% Um, They said, yes, fully remote or no, back to the office. And a couple of comments from Kara and Mark. They both said that they never transitioned to remote and they never missed a day in the office. Crazy results. And thank you so much to everybody who weighed in on the question of the week. Remember that we ask this question every single Wednesday morning on the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn and Instagram pages. So make sure to head over there and be part of the conversation. So now back to today's episode and the inspirational woman supply chain I have with me today is Lisa morales Helibo, the co-founder of the Worldwide Supply Chain Federation and Refashioned Ventures, as well as an active advocate for organizations that help minorities gain access to opportunities for funding, championship, and growth. Lisa is passionate about helping fashion tech and supply chain startups achieve industry adoption and scale. Today, Lisa will be talking to us about the power of technological invention and innovation, supporting ambitious startups, building like-minded communities and making sustainability a priority before, it's too late. But we could not do this show without our sponsors. So first, GoFreight is proud to sponsor the Women in Supply Chain podcast series, recognizing women's vital role in the industry and the need to highlight their contributions and experiences. We are committed to promoting diversity and inclusion in the supply chain field and are honored to support initiatives that empower and inspire women in their professional journeys. GoFreight is the world's leading cloud-based freight forwarding management system, in addition to its comprehensive core features including business quoting ocean and air freight processes invoicing and payments accounting and finance customers highly favorite for providing a customer facing platform that meets the needs of freight forwarders and their clients and agents for more information visit them at gofreight.com And our second sponsor, Food Logistics and Supply and Demand Chain Executives Women in Supply Chain Award sponsored by Let's Talk Supply Chain podcast and the Blended Pledge honors female supply chain leaders and executives whose accomplishments, mentorship, and examples set a foundation for women in all levels of a company's supply chain network. Head over to Supply and Demand Chain's website and check out the Women in Supply Chain Awards and the Woman in Supply Chain Forum. Thank you so much to our sponsors. So welcome back to the show, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so you joined us on the show about two years ago, and I can't believe it's that long. I mean, you <laughs> gave the listeners an incredible insight into who you are and what you do. I'm excited to have you back because so many things have changed for both of us, but especially for you. Um, and I can't believe that we only just met each other a few months ago at Home Delivery World in <laughs> person like we never met in person but it actually doesn't surprise me because of our schedules we're all over the place so why don't you start by giving us an update what have you been up to in the two years since you last came on the show
1: oh my um let's see last year uh was it last year? I was the top woman in supply chain for Supply and Demand Chain Executive Magazine, yes. which was a total shocker to me. <laughs> um, and then this year, I am four years in a row in the top 100 women in supply chain. Nice. And just recently, I was selected as uh, one of Women's Wear Daily Most Influential uh, ESG leaders. Congrats. And let's see what else. <laughs> I've been running around trying to uh, raise our institutional fund one, and we are on target so far. Fingers crossed, knock on wood, uh, for heading towards the Q1 close, first close. And let's see. And what what does, else before you we... go
0: on, what does that all mean? Like, explain oh. that a little bit, just in case people don't know the jargon.
1: So venture funds, um, they can't publicly solicit when they're institutional, which this fund is. Um, so I can't say how much or, you know, that we're raising. But um, the first investors, the anchor, has uh, is committing to put in capital. And we're going through the docks and getting all of our ducks in a row so that you have the first amount of capital called. And that's your first close. So you have a little nut in the bank to work from to build on for the subsequent closes till you get to the full amount.
0: Amazing. Amazing. I love that. And I think we're going to talk a little bit more about what you're working on a little bit later. And the women, what what was it? Workwear Daily? Oh, so women's wear daily. Women's Wear Daily. So um, and that you were in Times Square. Like you were on the screen for Times Square. I mean, that must have been incredible. I know you couldn't go in person, but just seeing huh? your name in lights. I mean, talk to us. Oh about my goodness. That. that was crazy. I sent it to my mom. And my
1: husband and my husband, of course, posted to Facebook something like, you know, you married good when your wife's on the (laughs) jumbotron in Times Square. (laughs) And of course, my mom um, was so excited to see it live streamed. And Lisita, can I brag about you now? Because I told her some big announcements were coming. So it was lovely to have them enjoy the experience, even though I was in another state and and didn't see it in person.
0: Well, well, that's awesome. And you talked about, you know, being on different lists and so many things that have happened for you in the last couple of years. What does that all mean for you? I get this question all the time because, <laughs> you know, people see different things. You get nominated for this and then get an award for this and things like that. So what does that all mean for you? Yeah.
1: So for me personally, it means um, an additional credential. You know, uh, women and people of color are always uh, needing to find third party validation of your expertise. <laughs> and so that is so uh, true, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's even harder for us to stand in our own um, knowledge and expertise without that third party validation. So for me, it's just mega and super meaningful, especially because um, most of these, I had no idea I was even nominated. <laughs> so that's right. extra validating.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I have an announcement. I don't know when it's coming out either. Um, but I was um, voted in by future leaders in supply chain. And when that those kind of things happen, you're like, wait a second, I need to take a minute, right? Because Actually, what we're doing and running towards on an everyday basis is really creating an impact that maybe we don't necessarily stop and take the time to really consider, right?
1: Absolutely. It's so cool when you realize that other people are are, uh, not only watching what you're doing, but um, are really celebrating your impact and the work that you're putting out you know, I like to be heads down and focus on doing good work. And when I put my head
0: up and I see somebody else has recognized it, it's amazing. (laughs) I think you and I are very similar. We're always like, you know, do in the do, right? We're always doing every single day, just like moving things forward and moving things forward and moving the pieces around and trying to figure things out, right? And trying to see what works, what doesn't work. And you and I are very similar in that. And you're right. You know, we get really busy but sometimes we got to bring our head up and really um take a look at what that work is actually doing. So congratulations on all of that because Thank you know you. it's truly inspirational You know, some of the things that you talk about, some of the things that you're doing, the impact that you're making in a variety of different ways, right? Sustainability in supply chain, it all comes together and helps to move industry forward. It helps to inspire the next generation, bring new innovators into the industry, and really show the art of what is possible. Because some of these things, like you've really forged that path to really make happen, it wasn't something that was here, maybe even, you know, two, three, maybe five years ago. It's the same with me with supply chain media, right? It wasn't even a word. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so talk to me about what you're currently doing right now. One of the things is that you're a co-founder of Refashioned. Can you remind us of what that organization does? And then maybe give us a glimpse into your growing portfolio because you have an eye on growth. You're not sitting back and chilling out anytime soon. No.
1: Yeah. So Refashion Ventures is an early stage venture fund that invests in industrial transformation through supply chain innovations. So we invest across data and AI, advanced materials, advanced manufacturing and next gen logistics. Three of those four categories involve atoms and physical things ah most most VCS are terrified of but there's a reason uh, we believe that supply chain and industrial transformation and the climate crisis are opposite sides of the same coin and we are not going to solve for the the problems that are impacting our planet, just through software alone. So you need to invest in the physical and the cyber physical, if you're going to uh, create the changes that we need so that we can continue to exist on this planet.
0: Absolutely. What's cyber? What did you say? Cyber? Cyber, cyber physical.
1: So it's it's another way of saying IoT, internet of things, something (laughs) that is, you know, robotics and AI combined with a human's uh, guidance.
0: I'm going to start using that term instead of IOT. It just sounds so much better. (laughs) Cyber, Um, physical. (laughs) And you have this Industrial Transformation Fund. Can you talk to us about some of the businesses that you're investing in? Like, give us an example of what they're doing and how they're creating an impact and why it's so important to have this fund.
1: Yeah, so I just, um, the reason I didn't get to see myself on the Jumbotron in Times Square is I was in D.C., at a DOD advanced manufacturing conference.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: let me tell you, that was eye-opening. <laughs> <laughs> tell us. Oh my goodness. Every session I was sitting there with my jaw dropped that they literally had screens from early, early decks I had created in like 2016 when I was first coming up with my thesis for if I'm going to build a fund, it's not going to look like a traditional fund. It's going to have uh, this community is going to have early, early capital, and then it's going to have an operating company to accelerate the adoption of all of our technologies. And there were slides in these decks saying for us to create this um, needed change, we need a community, <laughs> you know, early capital <laughs> and startups. And on theirs, they had um, foreign investment, which kind of shocked me because it was a DOD conference. But... Um, Uh, It was a pleasant surprise to see that everything that I've been uh, dedicating my life to, my life's work, is exactly where the DOD is arriving as what's needed to create the change that we need in this country. However, I don't believe that regulation or all of these um, nonprofits are going to be moving the needle fast enough. Mm-hmm. So fortunately for us, disruptors like me, <laughs> my a maniacal plan has been to invest in the early stage companies that actually the DOD specifically said they're looking for, like Arcstone, which is an MES, that's a manufacturing execution system. It helps to basically digitize factory floors Okay. And it's so disruptive because the, the standard MES um, players are huge enterprise applications that require tons of consultancies right. to come on board and do the analysis and setup and maintain on top of the huge annual fees for the enterprise stack. This platform is the opposite of that. They've given you a freemium version that any small factory can get started digitizing themselves with. It is drag and drop. So, you drag and drop and draw your floor plan. Hmm. And then, even the tasks and dependencies and uploading of videos for stations is drag and drop. So, it's really um, simple for anyone to adopt. Hmm. And when you jump from the freemium version to the enterprise version, it's not like going from free to like, oh my God, I need a consultancy. It is modular and you only pay for the modules that you're using. So it's a mm-hmm. fraction of the cost of these huge enterprise systems. And they can come in, Arkstone comes in and does this uh, 21 day, they call it a hackathon to teach your own team how to maintain, deploy, manage the system and identify your internal stakeholders that will be champions and teach sure. other people how to maintain this system. So it's it's really just a, a totally different paradigm, a more current paradigm for technology adoption. And then the last piece of ArcStone is this ArcNet uh, platform. That allows you to see across a network of factories Mm -hmm. and have a universal dashboard for throughput capacity load bearing, uh, which is ultimately what every supply chain needs nowadays, you need to have. A centralized control tower, because the only certainty being risk and climate risk and geopolitical risk and all these things that keep popping up every day, you need to have a distributed collaborative network of factories. And it's next to impossible to, to think that we're going to retrofit the current globalized paradigm of billions of nodes. It's a lot easier to start with the localized network infrastructure. Yeah. yeah so Arcstone so is one of the technologies that I was like, oh, oh, Oh my God, I have that. DOD, come hit me up (laughs) (laughs) in our portfolio. And did you have a call with them set up before you
0: left Washington?
1: (laughs) Well, I I did get up and speak because, you know, I'm that woman at an event. (laughs) And after every session, I I went to the mic and uh, a ton of people came up and talked to me. And I got all these cards and more than just. ArcStone, Jive is another one that is going to revolutionize um, the industry. They are, uh, it's a technology that's about a little bit bigger than an Apple Watch. Mm -hmm. And he's the founder, created the first Dell thermal fingerprint technology to touch and unlock your computer. Okay. That was his first company. No big deal. No big deal. You know, IPO'd (laughs) and publicly traded still very successfully. He took a few years off and he came back and he's designed the device of my dreams. When I first went into an apparel factory and saw all these stacks of paper everywhere, my brain immediately went to, why? Yeah. We should just have devices on everything Mm -hmm. and have it so you don't need to log into an iPad, find an app at each station put in your credentials, do the task. (laughs) So his devices, he's thrown away the supercomputer that's in our phones and in Apple Watches and made it just NFC, RFID, send and receive simple compute. And it has a no-code open source protocol to be able to do whatever you need these devices to do in whichever application. And his objective is to digitize frontline workers that generally are on paper and clipboards. Right. And that's the majority of the global workforce. Yeah. So this frontline workers from hospitals, from warehouses and manufacturing and shipping yards, all of them need a better way to be digitally connected And in our factories, we're going to be using the Jive devices to have on bins. So Mm -hmm. we scan a QR code after a pattern piece is cut and there's a QR code in the seam, put it in the bin. Now the bin knows what's in it. Because the Jive device has that data. I walk up to that bin with my Jive device on my wrist. And without having to log in, it sends data to my wrist device of which stations I need to go to with the pieces in that bin. I walk up to the first station and it just pushes to my Jive device the tasks that I need to do with which pieces. I pull them out of the bin, zip, zip, zip. Real-time data and SAM calculations. Amazing. Game-changing.
0: And, and it is so game-changing. And what I was thinking about when you were talking about this is the creativity that we need in supply chain that's kind of been stifled over the years in the in the fact that when you think about a warehouse and you think about designing it for digital, you think about interior design. I think about a conversation that I had with somebody who had just come out of school And talked about how warehousing was interior design for her and how we need to change the way that we think about these innovations and how we send the data and how we actually work, work smarter, not harder. How do we do all of these things? How do we get more creative in the tasks that do need to get done? but ultimately don't need to be the manual processes that we've all lived with for years. Now, one of the things that you talked about was community. Um, And I am really big on community, community is really important, no matter what you are doing, whether it's personal or professional. So talk to us about what impact the community that you're bringing together is going to make across that industry. I mean, I can only just imagine thinking about those two examples that you shared, how much impact (laughs) those are going to make. But if you bring them together, right, it's just mind blowing.
1: Yeah. So my, um, the vision I had initially in 2016, when I first met Brian, I still have old decks I could pull up and be like, oh, my God, we're full circle. <laughs> it's um, I, I envisioned having this um, community uh, fund and an operating company because the, the best way to predict the future is to build it. And so... Being a disruptor, I get antsy when things are moving too slowly and right now people aren't re- aren't acting as if our planet is on fire. Which it is, and we need to accelerate this adoption um, of technologies needed to drive the the paradigm shifts, so that we can continue to exist on this planet. And that's not hyperbole, you know. If you're if you think it is, you're you're uh, sitting here la 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 <laughs> with your ears and eyes shut. Um, so our community has grown to about 5000 members on every continent except for Antarctica and we have over 40,000 first degree connections of builders and buyers of supply chain technology that like to collaborate and have dialogue around what they're building so that they can get to a- adoption and scale Ooh, my right camera just- <laughs> i know I um, so it this has given us um inbound deal flow from about 148 countries. Amazing. Which Brian and I were looking at the, the our Airtable database. Like, is that pie chart right? Right. Dang, there's so many <laughs> slices and colors in there. But yeah, it really is um, critical for supply chain innovation to come from anywhere, mm-hmm. and. and Knowing that every, every country and every category of individual has creativity and is ideating the solutions that we need, we're looking from global and uh, seeking to bring them to the U.S.
0: Mm-hmm. Amazing. And just think about it. I mean, supply chain is global right? We're all Mm -hmm. around the world. We all have different challenges that we're solving for, but we are also solving for some of the same challenges, which is around sustainability. And I know that that is at the heart of what you do, right? We talked about um, or I We talked about textile waste on the last show, I remember very vividly, and I've seen all of the pictures since, which is just crazy. Yeah. You shared some facts that really surprised me, and we've seen a number of climate issues this year, and I think the world saw the hottest summer on record, so the evidence for change is only growing. Like you said, it's on fire, right? Um, I still get comments in uh, on my LinkedIn about it just being woke, which scares the absolute bejesus out of me. So talk yeah. to us about you know what's going on, why our systems need to be completely reworked if we have a hope of stopping, reversing some of this damage and really having a place for us all to live. Yeah. So our fund is called Refashioned,
1: um, not just because I love fashion <laughs> and that's the lens that I look at everything of supply chain through. It is because it is the future uh, or past tense of the word refashion. And we need to refashion all of our systems end to end from raw material inputs to water usage in uh, product development through manufacturing, shipping, distribution, sales, last mile, all of it needs to be entirely refashioned. And so, we, we're called that because we like to think that we're, we're thinking in the future tense mm-hmm. <laughs> so that we're already investing in and deploying and building the future as it needs to be so that we can con- continue to exist on this planet. It's interesting how many people... Um, I share some key stats around the fashion industry with, and and usually the first reaction is, oh, well, you know, we're focused on chips and batteries. And I said, you do know that textiles are in everything, right? (laughs) They're in your batteries. They're in your tires for vehicles. They're in your headliners for cars. You cannot have innovation without fibers. And I mean, optic fibers, geotextiles. There's so many applications and use cases. So it's, I think, just a matter of making sure that we're we're being visible. We're making sure that the right people across industries are hearing that it's not one thing that's going to be the magic bullet. It needs to be an end to end systemic design thinking approach to understanding the real uh, causes and the target. Where are we headed? Because we need to fashion the solutions for the outcomes that we're intending to achieve. Right now, the systems are designed for the outcomes they're currently achieving. And if we want to see any change, there's no time for band-aids or incremental shifts anymore.
0: No, there really isn't. And we've really seen that this last year. And so that comment that I had just a couple of weeks ago about this being woke I was like really like are we still there because that is terrifying yeah absolutely terrifying
1: I wonder if people just don't watch the news anymore because nobody has regular tv and so it's just a filter of what you want to hear and the world you want to believe exists but you know mother nature doesn't care what news filters you're watching, she will have her way and regardless of whether or not you're preparing for it.
0: Yeah, so, and that's something that I want to talk to you about because it's going to take everybody, right? For us to be able to work together, to be able to recreate this design thinking. Some people might be listening to what you're saying and been, and they're like, that is way over my head. <laughs> I don't even know how I can help with that. I think it's amazing, but then what do I do, right? What do I do as an individual? Or maybe what do I do as an organization? And if what I do today is so small, is it really going to make a difference? So what would your advice or maybe top tips be for companies or even people looking to initiate change?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. God, if I had all the answers, I'd be a billionaire. You do have all the answers
0: but,
1: <laughs> I do have one insight that I took away from the DOG conference this week that, um, again, solidified companies like Jive that we're investing in and why they're so important. Right. So, this one uh, speaker, I believe it was from MIT, was presenting a case study about two factories, Factory A and Factory B, that both were. Technically identical in the same region, producing the same things, same amount of workforce. And factory A was doing around 25 million in revenue. Factory B was something like 40, 45 million. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference? And the guy asked the audience and I was shouting out, automation, (laughs) (laughs) you know. Kind of right. Um, The only difference between those two factories Mm -hmm. was that they, uh, Factory B, with the higher uh, revenue, gave their workforce incentivization to get higher pay and bonuses. Mm -hmm. And just with that incentivization, based on their throughput, capacity, quality, etc., they got these bonuses, which overall increased the revenue for the entire factory. Right. So I think the number one comment I would have is is think differently. You mm-hmm. can't achieve different outcomes using the same <laughs> systems and processes you you had before. So don't be afraid to do something drastically differently and and assess you know, always assess the impact Mm -hmm. because something as simple as listening to your workforce and having them feel empowered and like they are part of ownership of their facility will yield unprecedented results.
0: Yeah, it's such a great point. I think for people or individuals, I think the intentionality is also the same, right? Mm -hmm. Understanding, being aware, what do you do every single day? you know, how does it impact, you know, a variety of different things? How does it impact you? How does it impact your family? How does it impact the environment? Are there slight changes that you can make in your routine, the things that you buy, how you buy, um, how you make buying decisions personally and professionally as well really goes a long way. And if we're sort of asking ourselves that question as we go through our day-to-day lives, I really think that We can make a difference. Those aren't just small things that we're doing. These are things that are a necessity right now that we need to keep doing and doing and doing, right?
1: Ultimately, business needs to make the changes. I know that we've had tons of decades of campaigns saying that we as individual consumers need to recycle and make better choices. Yes, but the biggest impact is through our value chains. Mm. If you look at the $100 trillion global GDP, the, op- the opposite side of that is this HSBC and BCG study that said that the amount of capital that we need to deploy by 2050 to achieve net zero is, guess how much money? $100 trillion. Do you Ooh. think that's a coincidence? Mm. So they are definitely intertwined. And the biggest impact we can have is through localization of our value chains. Mm. If you are making producing shipping and recycling everything and better better than recycling have circular design and infrastructure in place so you're using the same assets over and over again locally that is the most sustainable way we can drive forward as a society we just need to get the right stakeholders understanding that this isn't a cost center this is an opportunity to have a whole new value chain with potentially greater margins, even though there's an upfront cost.
0: So maybe it's better questions, right? Putting the pressure on the organizations, the companies that we're buying from, asking different questions, right? And like you said, thinking differently. I mean, that's also what we can do from an individual basis. Do you have any resources that somebody could tap into to really... Um, take a look at what other people are doing and maybe try to think differently within their organizations to make that happen?
1: So, I mean, we write a ton. Brian writes a ton, I should say. He's the writer on our team. Um, And I'm personally always inspired by our portfolio companies. Mm. I think that right now, if you're reading anything past 2021 Mm -hmm. (laughs) in its uh, ideation or creation date, you are, you're looking into old methodology because Mm -hmm. we're in this primordial soup right now of the emergence of this entirely new paradigm. So looking backwards will only get you so far. You need to be in the thick of it right now and talking to both the builders and buyers of these technologies to understand what is being built today that never existed before.
0: Yeah, and I read a fascinating article about the development of water-soluble circuit boards, uh, which was very interesting recently. So there's a lot of really great information out there if, you know, you're looking for it and you know what questions that you're asking or what information that you're looking for. But what are some of the innovations that you're seeing that when it comes to establishing some of those new systems, exploring more sustainable manufacturing, recycling techniques, the circular that you talked about, yeah. And what are your predictions or maybe insights for the future of these types of innovations?
1: Yeah, so we have the very first deal that I brought to Refashioned and, and invested in is called Simply Fiber. Mm-hmm. And it's S-I-M-P-L-I-F-Y-B-E-R. And Simply Fiber's CEO is Maria Insur Aurang. And she is the former head of design at Vera Wang, Calvin Klein, Eden, and she worked at McQueen. So she's brilliant creative, creatively, but she's also in Mensa. So she's equal, like crazy, smart, brilliant lady. Yeah. She has created this new process that is going from simply fiber to a finished object in two steps. Mm. And that's using you know, cotton, hemp, bamboo, whatever natural cellulose fibers and her proprietary all natural chemistry to create a slurry that can be injected into molds or 3D printed. And you eliminate needing the steps of extruding filament, spinning yarn, knitting, weaving, cut and sew. Wow. And even dyeing. The dye could be injected directly into the slurry. So you go from a pile of fibers to a finished object in two steps. And the machine that they've created to produce these objects is only three foot by 12 foot. So (laughs) microfactories, ubiquitous um, creation without any negative impact. It can be dissolved and reconstituted into new objects over and over again. And it's all natural and biodegradable. The use Uh cases across footwear, um, accessories, fashion, home, automotive, packaging are just endless so that's the type of of entirely new paradigm thinking that yeah. gets us
0: really excited about at
1: Refashioned. Talk
0: about think differently, right? What are we doing mm-hmm. with our manufacturing? What are our manufacturers <laughs> doing? How are they thinking differently? I mean, if we can do this in fashion and accessories, we can do this in so many different places. Now, you're also a mentor at the Founder Institute, which is an organization that's specifically designed to turn ideas into startups, which doesn't surprise me, <laughs> or even <laughs> you know, startups into global businesses. Talk to us about that. Do you think that there's of growth in entrepreneurship and young people coming up with the desire to fa- found and, you know, run their own businesses. What do you think? Yes, it's interesting. So at the uh, Women's Wear Daily event last week, there was
1: a whole panel of these Gen Z kids <laughs> that were talking about yeah. what they love and what their expectations and hopes and dreams are. It was really eye-opening. Um It was pretty evenly split amongst people that, you know, want to work at companies. So go get a job Mm -hmm. doing something sustainable or fabulous in fashion. Um, There was a bunch of people that want to be influencers, which is becoming like the number one thing amongst Gen Z. Why should I go work for someone else? I can make money from my blog or whatever. Um, And uh, people that want to start companies. Mm. So I, I think it is eye-opening to see that those are the the options. Like when I was graduating from college, I just knew I could get a job. (laughs) I didn't have (laughs) any other options remotely on my radar. So yay. I'm really excited that we have um, the next generation coming up with their own ideas of how they want to change the world. Um, Entrepreneurship absolutely has become more and more part of the zeitgeist. You know, everyone can be a, a founder and have a side hustle, whether it's, you know, selling handmade stuff on Etsy or building a tech company. Mm-hmm. It, it's more of a norm which I'm thankful for because in certain societies, it still very much is not. My husband's Norwegian and I lived in Norway 20 years ago. And I joked um, when we were walking around one day, I saw some little girls selling cupcakes and lemonade on the side of the road. I said, oh, my God, the first entrepreneur that I'm seeing <laughs> in, in Norway. Now, fast forward to today, and entrepreneurship is huge in Norway, but yeah. it wasn't
0: back then. Right. Amazing, amazing. And I'm seeing the same thing too, right? Even from a freelancer standpoint, right? Being able to, we have a team of freelancers and being able to do that and empower them in their own businesses while, you know, also creating that community of, peers and other entrepreneurs that they can lean on, get referrals from. I mean, it's incredible what we can really, really do with that. Now, you are a very busy busy person. You have a lot of responsibilities. Your business is pretty intense. I mean, you're tackling the future of the planet. I mean, the world is literally on your (laughs) shoulders. So how do you switch off? How do you achieve work-life balance? Like, do you actually achieve it? What do you think? Oh Lord I don't I don't think there
1: isn't any balance but there's um self-care okay and I do turn off or try to turn off on weekends and spend time with my family um, go on really long bike rides with my hubby nice. um, that's being out in nature whether it's on a hike with my dog or biking for 37 miles with my hubby um, that's the place where I know I can just turn off. And Listen to nature and usually that's needed to have more ideas come in. If that's you're right. always go, 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 you're not allowing time for serendipity and for your brain to uh, what is it called when you when you're in that half asleep half awake state or unfocused ideas always come in. Uh huh. Allowing for that should be built into your calendar.
0: It's usually when I'm on the massage table and I cannot, I don't have a pen and paper and I'm like, okay, I can't fall asleep because I need to remember (laughs) what the idea was because I need to write it down later. But you live, I think you live on the East Coast. So what do you do in the winter? (laughs) Sorry, I mean, I'm just curious. Yeah.
1: No, that's a valid question. I mean, in the winter, um, we like to ski. Okay. Uh, and what, we're, you know, Norwegian families, so we're not afraid of a little snow, although we haven't had it for a few winters now. Right. Um, But, you know, treadmill and hige is a word in Nor- Norwegian. It means cozy. So it's my okay. favorite time of year. There's an excuse to just be cozy and wear big fluffy socks and drink hot cocoa and... <laughs> and curl up on the sofa with a book.
0: <laughs> I love it, but I do not like winter. So I'm going to be finding a way to get out of it very, very soon. Um, so finally, and I hate to wrap this up, but what's next for you in your journey? I think I'm sure you've got so much going on and up your sleeve. Oh, man, I have so many
1: irons in the fire that I can't yet talk about. But i um... Big things and big collaborations uh, just keep speaking my truth to power and and finding or having the people that it resonates with find me, which is super, like, that's a superpower. I don't think enough people talk about that, that when you truly know yourself and your value and what you are put on this planet to do, and you live in that confidently, it attracts a vortex of people that are looking for it. Mm -hmm. So be your authentic self and you'll, you'll bring the right people to you. If you're trying to, if you're not quite there yet, you'll notice that there isn't all this serendipity and things coming your way. But when you hit your stride with that, it's game changing.
0: (laughs) Yes, I can absolutely relate to that. And, you know, thank you so much for all the work that you are doing because you really are making a difference and making an impact, not only in supply chain, but again, you know, for the planet and everything that we need to do to move forward. And it's always a pleasure to speak with you. So, Lisa's passion is absolutely infectious. And what she's doing for sustainability and supply chain is really something we all need to pay attention to. I really encourage everyone listening to. To go and check out what she's doing at Refashioned with the Worldwide Supply Chain Federation and with all of her other interests. Get inspired. Go make changes in your own lives and organizations because time really is running out. So did you have a guess at today's big question? Well, at the top of the show, I asked you, according to the National Centers for Environmental Information, there have been 15 confirmed billion-dollar weather and climate disasters events this year in the US. But what is the cost of those devastating events? Well, the total cost of these events exceeds $39.7 billion, and they have resulted in 113 direct and indirect fatalities. So there you have even more evidence that we need to act now. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your incredible journey and your insights with all of us today. Thank you. Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity bottom line and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale. Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more. If you would like to hear more from us at Let's Talk Supply Chain, we have plenty more content for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to Let's Talk Supply dot com to check out the latest. And if you have a supply chain challenge, we have most likely had the solution on our show. So head over to the website, use our filter options as well as our search bar to find the content that you need to find the solution for those supply chain challenges. And next week, don't forget to come back. I'm going to be joined by Chris from Onfleet and we're going to be talking about the impact that they're making in the supply chain industry, what they are doing to solve some of the most challenging supply chain Well, challenges. So come back next week and uh, hear what Chris has to say about OnFleet. If you'd like to support our show, there's a few ways to do that. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. We're also over on TikTok. Make sure to subscribe to our newsletter at letstalksupplychain.com because we have giveaways, we have so many key insights. We've got lots of events going on and you do not want to miss out. Plus, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain. You can also find some really cool merch at our shop at letstalksupplychain.com. The holidays are coming up. So your favorite supply chainer is going to love what we have. And if you haven't heard of the Secret Society of Supply Chain and have not signed up for your perfect group, then head over to the website, Let's Talk Supply Chain.com and pick the group for you we have the supply chainers where we are getting the community together in an exclusive networking um, option plus we have exclusive content from companies like and supply chain leaders from macy's logitech hp and so, so, so much more. Then we have a monthly meetup group for women in supply chain. And that is professionally facilitated, and it's going to increase your personal and professional development. And then lastly, we have the creative room, which is a monthly meetup for marketing professionals in supply chain to exchange ideas, learn from experts, get in front of potential clients. So, again, head over to Let's Talk Supply Chain.com, check out Secret Society of Supply Chain, and choose the right group for you. Now, if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.